Welcome back to the next part of this Truth and Rhythm episode. Be sure to subscribe to this channel. If you've already done so, please share it with friends. Also become a member by joining Truth and Rhythm on Patreon or consider donating at funkinstuff.net. Thank you so much for your interest and support. Enjoy. When I came back from New York, I hooked up with Prince and Prince says to me, because he had an apartment, he had an, and he didn't have no apartment before because he was living with Andre's uh, house, Andre's family, and uh, and I, I loved Andre's mom, man. His whole family is good. I love I love Bernadette, man. She reminded me so much of Brooklyn people, you know, rather than Minneapolis people. But Prince has said to me when I came back, he says, uh, he says, yeah, um, I want you to meet, you know, some people, and I says, really. He says, yeah. He said, they got me this apartment. I said, no kidding. It was Owen Husney and and Chris Moon was had a studio, Moon Sound. And I said, okay, cool. So I met Owen. I met Chris Moon, you know. But, you know, I didn't know what they was going to do. This is before even the demo. So we're in Sound 80. Prince comes out. He wants to play with us. And we said, okay. We do the session. And it was awesome. It was great. Hank goes back to New York. And about a month later, he gets fired. And I go like, what? Oh, man. But now we're stuck. We're, we're signed with Polydor. Hank is fired. What am I going to do? You know? And the new people that came in didn't see eye to eye, of course. They bring in a whole new team. And Hank got fired, so the other team let us go. So we got dropped from Polydor. So when Prince was in the studio, he was doing his demo when he saw us. And me, Andre, and Prince was just outside just talking, and I just told him, I said, man, we got dropped from Polydor, man. Prince was more upset than I was. I mean, he was like, what? He said, what? He said, I don't believe. He says, man, we got to go back in the studio. He looked at Andre and said, we got to go back in the studio with Pepe. Andre said, yeah, okay, cool. And Prince looked at me and I said, all right, cool. I'm thinking, where am I going to get the money <laughs> to pay some studio, you know, $100 an hour, but I booked it anyway. You know, I said, I'll find it. I don't know where I'm going to get it from, but I'll find it. Booked the studio. We went back in the studio. Uh, we, Prince and I wrote Just Another Sucker. And then me, another friend of mine, wrote Loving Cup. And then I wrote Dance to the Music of the World. So Andre, me, and Prince was in the studio. Prince played drums and guitar on 
on uh, uh, all of it, you know, and Andre played bass and Prince played keyboards on uh, Loving Cup, you know, and we just had a relationship, Prince and I and Andre, you know, and, and even Morris, man, we had a relationship that was tight. I mean, you know, you, you know somebody at that age and, and growing up and stuff and and you're showing them the business and stuff and they see it actually happening. You know, it wasn't like a lot of words and stuff. You know, we were actually doing it. We were in the studio. Pepe went to New York and got signed by a label and stuff. And then he met up with Owen, Chris Moon. Then Prince gets signed. Prince gets signed to Warner Brothers. And I'm saying to my group, I says, look, I says, I'm going to concentrate and support Prince because I don't want what happened to us happen to him. You know, of course I was ready to, you know, take the songs that Prince and I did and we didn't even get a chance to really finish them because Prince got signed and stuff, you know, to look for another label and stuff. I thought it would be good because I'm coming from a major label looking for a deal. So I know that I would get in the door. Yeah, we were signed with Polydor, you know, boom, 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 boom. Then I just dropped all of that and started concentrating on uh, working with Prince. And then uh, 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 Prince got signed and he started auditioning his band members. And uh, um, he was at uh, Dale's Tire Mart. I, bought, I loaned him two giant speakers that I had had, Eden Super Serpents. I mean, they were huge. You know, and so I loaned him those speakers so he can rehearse and audition his musicians coming in. And one day, I don't know if, if he if Prince left the door unlocked or somebody actually broke in, but he got robbed. They took all the equipment except for those two speakers because they were too huge, you know. So um, you would have to have a truck, you know, to get, you know, I mean, a a truck to get him in there. And uh, so I was, I was totally upset. I, you know, and I looked at Prince and I said, Prince, okay, look, I said, you guys are going to come to my house and you're going to rehearse there, practice there, you know, cause ain't nobody breaking into my crib. You know, I just pulled the Brooklyn thing. I said, ain't nobody coming in my crib, man. You know, he says, okay. So they came over to my house. And they started ordering uh, um, equipment from New Capay in Minneapolis, and it, uh, everything was coming to my house. And and uh, um, they started rehearsing there, twelve hours a day, ten in the morning, ten at night. You know, and I had to kick them out, man, to, you know, so I could get some peace and quiet. But you know, and it was just nonstop, nonstop. You know, you auditioned Gail. Uh, um, Gail Chapman as a keyboard player, uh, Prince's cousin Charles had brought her in to audition and she got the gig and Dez came in and he got the gig and of course Bobby Z got the drummer gig because he knew Owen you know and uh, um, Bobby started running errands for Prince before you know even thinking about playing for him and stuff like that you know and uh, so Prince had, you know, he had Andre because him and Andre were like this and, you know, and so Andre, Gail, Bobby Z, 
um, and Prince, you know, and Matt Fink, you know. I think Matt was like 19 or 20 or something like that, you know. And, uh, you know, and they rehearsed at my house. And, you know, it was just amazing. I mean, I loved it. The neighbors never complained, you know, and uh, it, it was just awesome. And um, one day they, they rehearsed and Prince had got a house on France Avenue. And uh, um, I had to tell him something. I couldn't get him on the phone. I was going like, man, you know. And so I drive over there, ring the doorbell. I couldn't get an answer, but I saw his car outside. You know, so I said, I know that he's in there, you know. So then I started hearing these little, little tapping. I was like, where's that coming from? And I went around the side of the house and I peeped down the basement window. Prince was down in the basement playing drums. This is after 12 hours of practice. He's, I mean, he was playing. I mean, you know. So I had to knock on the window in between the beats so that he would hear it because I couldn't do it with the beat. So I had, if he's going to pop, pop, going da, 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 you know, he's going like, then he looks up. I said, man, open the door. <laughs> you know, and I told him whatever it was, I had to tell him. I think, um, what was it? I can't even remember what I told him and stuff, you know, but uh, uh you know, and I was amazed. That's when I really started really finding about the genius in him, you know, of how hard he worked, you know, and, you know, just how he was. And even when uh, he had to go to L.A., so he asked me, hey, man, watch my crib. You can stay in my house and stuff. I said, oh, yeah, no problem. So he had this Korg drum machine there and uh, 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 keyboards and stuff. So I started writing songs, man. I put up the drum machine, boom, 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 you know, and I started playing guitar and stuff and playing. So I wrote two songs, You Can Be My Teacher and Love, Love, Love. And uh, Prince comes in from L.A. And uh, I said, man, check this out, man. And he hears it and he goes, wow, picks up the bass, <laughs> boom, 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 and starts playing I'm going like, wow, you know, he added to the song. So we have it out. It's out now. It's on one of our albums. And uh, he was just nonstop. He was nonstop. I mean, you know, and Prince and I, I'm telling you, we were tight, man. Whatever I asked him to do, he did. He didn't say, why? You know, why I got to do this for? You know, he just said, okay. And he did it. You know, I mean, this guy was like a sponge soaking in everything that he could, you know. And uh, matter of fact, um, there was this girl. Uh, she was in the movie Purple Rain. And she was the one, her name is Kim. And she, the one in the film who brought Morris his drinks, you know. And, and he had told her. Jill, Jill, Jill Jones? No, not Jill, Kim. Kim Upshur. Okay. okay. Kim Upshur. And uh, um, <laughs> uh, Morris would say, yeah, keep the change. And then he would tell Jerome, go get my change. You know? <laughs> 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 <You know? laughs> so uh, uh, Kim was dating Prince. 
And Prince gave her a diamond ring. You know, I don't know how much it cost, 10, 20 grand or something. And she was so happy. And and, and uh, Kim and I were great friends. I mean, just good friends. We would talk all the time. And so her and Prince had an argument one day. So she comes over to my house. And she goes like, Prince and I had this argument. I'm not going to call him. He'll call me. I know he'll call me. And I told her, I said, baby, he ain't going to call you. I said, just when you think, just when he thinks, oh, man, I better, I better call Kim. He's going to get a call from Warner Brothers or his manager or one of the other musicians, and his music comes first. And he never called her. He never called her back, man. Because Prince was all about music. That was his thing, man. And I'm going to tell you one thing. He was not going to fail no matter what. And this is why he practiced so hard, man. You know, all that time, all that practice, he was not going to fail. He had it in his brain. I'm not failing. I'm going to do everything I can to make this happen. And that's exactly what he did. You know, he wasn't failing, man. And I appreciate that from him. And then I tried, Scott. I tried. I remember one day I was going like, okay, man, Princess, man, this guy is good, man. I said, I'm going to take my guitar and I'm going to practice just as hard as Prince did. I'm going to practice 10 hours a day. I'm going to, I'm going to get on my guitar. I got on my guitar and I started practicing. I got to like around four hours and I'm saying, I can't do it. <laughs> I can't do it, man. You know, I, I didn't have it in me. You know, I could practice for four hours. That was good. And that was, a, that was a stretch, man. You know, practice for four hours, 10 hours. No, I could not do it. It just wasn't going to happen, you know. So that's how it was. So uh, the revolution, after Prince got his band together and stuff, they had to learn all his songs from his first album. And uh, uh, the For You album, they had to learn all of it. And uh, so they practice and practice and practice. So just then, Prince thinks he's ready. He says, I'm ready. I'm ready to go out on tour. You know, and uh, he had like a $80,000 tour budget from Warner Brothers. He's ready to go. And uh, I said, okay, so let's let's do a show, you know, showcase. So I produced this show at the Capri Theater in Minneapolis. So we had Marcy and Chrissy. They did the tickets. We did security. I went and got lighting from Naked Zoo. Everything. We talked with the owner. Uh, uh, what was his name? Uh, Ira. I don't know if I forget his last name. Ira. And uh, um, he said, sure. And uh, so we made the tickets. I think it was like $3.75, you know, prints. You know, we still have some of them tickets. We're going to put them on, on uh, uh, NFT. <laughs> but at any event. Uh, Warner Brothers was coming in to see him perform. Um, and uh, um, so it was cold. It was in the winter. I think it was around in January. I can't remember. You know, January, I think. And uh, uh, so we ready to do the show. 
So Warner Brothers comes in. I ushered these guys. They had the limos. It was cold. They left the engines running in the limo. And I ushered them to their seats and, you know, where they had to go. And uh, Prince kicked it off. Ladies and gentlemen, Prince, boom, he comes out and he starts doing songs from his first album. I thought it was excellent. It was awesome. You know, of course I would. I'm biased anyway. And Warner Brothers, for some strange reason, thought that he wasn't ready yet to go on tour. You know, I don't know why they said it, but it was ready to me. So at that point, Prince had got a different rehearsal spot, a bigger place. And uh, um, on 7th Avenue, I believe it was, or Highway 7, Highway 7. And uh, there was a rehearsal spot there that he went to. And he started rehearsing there until he got ready, you know, to go out on tour. But during that time, what had happened, I had went over his house. Uh, you know, I'm going to keep talking, you know. <laughs> I went over his house and he needed something. He needed um, uh, some space heaters or something because it was cold in the basement or whatever. And I said to him, I go, well, where's, where's your manager at? Isn't he supposed to be helping you doing this stuff, man, getting all your stuff together? And uh, he says, I don't know, you know. So I got in my car. I drove over to Owen's office. He had a company called the Ad Company. And that, Owen's pissed off at me behind this, too. And I, I can understand him being pissed off because, you know. And I'm not knocking anything that he's done great for Prince. He's done very well for Prince. He got him signed and stuff. He did other manager duties and stuff. I went with him to Chicago, you know, drove to Chicago with him and his wife to put posters up in, in the hood, you know, in these record shops and stuff like that, you know. But I went to Owen's office that day and I said, you know, Owen, I said, you're here at the ad company and your artists need some things done. I says, how come you're not doing what you, you should be doing? And, you know, this is, <laughs> he said to me, he says, Pepe, he says, why should I leave my job? Because I told him, I said, you should be in L.A., Chicago, New York or something. He said, why should I leave my job for someone who probably won't make it? Now, I can't make this up. He'll probably deny it, but I'm telling him the truth. He got mad at me one day because I had said it in uh, somebody's book and he wouldn't answer my calls. And then I said, Owen, what's up? What's wrong? Then he said, something that you said in the book. I said, what did I say? You know, so he sent me the page and I read it. And I said, Owen, I said, but that's the truth. I said, it's the truth, man. I'm not going to lie and stuff. You know, it's the truth, you know. So I went back to Prince's house because Owen had said, after he said that, I said, look, I'm not going to see Prince get messed up out here. I'm just not going to let it happen. And he says, well, Peppy, he says, well, you manage him then. And I says, Owen, I am not a manager, you know, but I'm not going to let him get screwed. I drive back to Prince's house. And I said, Prince, Owen is out. He says, okay. <laughs> he didn't go, why? He didn't go, really? He didn't, you know, you know, he says, okay, that was it. You know, 
then he had to go to uh, one of his first uh, album signings in North Carolina. And uh, so he told Warner Brothers, Owens out, Pepe's in, you know. So I managed, I had to manage him. I had to manage him for like three months. And he wanted me to stay. And I said, Prince, I said, look, I said, I'm not a manager. You know, I know what managers do. I said, but I'm not a manager, you know. I said, I'm a record producer. And I said, and you need somebody who's been in this business and knows everybody. He says, okay. He says, uh, uh, I told him, I said, I know somebody. And Don Taylor, Don Taylor was a very good friend of mine because he managed Little Anthony Imperials. He managed Diana Ross. He managed Marvin Gaye. And he managed Bob Marley and the Wailers. You know? So I called Don. He lived in Miami. I said, Don, I got a guy here. He signed with Warner Brothers. His name is Prince, and he needs a real manager. He says, okay, Pepe, I'm going to fly you guys to Miami. <laughs> so he flew, flew Prince and I to Miami, you know, and I let them talk. I wasn't even there, I, you know. They, they were, I said, no, you guys go ahead and you'll talk. So Don explained to him, and he, I was there for this moment when he had said, uh, what's your tour budget? Prince said $80,000. He says, that's not enough. Don gets on the phone, calls Mo Austin, who was the president of Warner Brothers at that time calls him up, starts talking to Mo, hangs up the phone. He says, now you got a $160,000 tour budget. I looked at Prince and I said, that's what a manager does. So he looks at me and he smiles and stuff, you know. So he winds up being signed with Don for a year. And I don't know what happened, but he was signed with Don for a year. And then, and then the next manager he had was Perry Jones and Tony Winfrey. You know, and then Cavallo and Ruffalo. And then I was there through Owen, Don, Tony, Cavallo, Ruffalo. You know, I was there through all of those managements. And then at one point, I think uh, the Dirty Mind album came out. And uh, Prince was really getting popular. And uh, uh, I, I wanted to go. I wanted to leave. I, I said, he's safe now. You know, I started his publishing company for him so they wouldn't get ripped off. You know, matter of fact, when they was rehearsing, um, a letter had came from his lawyers in L.A. As all the mail was coming to my house, all the fan mail, and I still got some fan letters, uh, all the, uh, uh, um, the mail and everything was coming to my house. And so I opened up one of the envelopes and it was, BMI contract for Prince to register himself as a publisher songwriter, you know, and the bill, the bill was $900. And I went downstairs and said, Prince, he says, yeah, I said, come on up here for a second. He come upstairs and I said, do you see this? He looks at it. He goes, didn't we do this already? <laughs> and I said, yeah, we did it for a price of a stamp. You know, we did it for the price of a stamp. I said, now these guys want you to do it. And look at the bill, $900. And I was teaching them. I said, this is how they rip you off, man. This is how they, they, they get, you know what I mean? Even with publishing, I said, when Warner Brothers asks you, do you have a publisher? Tell them yes. And they'll leave you alone. If you tell them no, 
they would say, don't worry, man, we got you. We'll publish your stuff. And that's it. And that means that they're going to own your copyrights, you know. How, how long did you ultimately continue, you know, helping Prince and were really part of his, you know, professional life? From 75 to 1986. And I had to go because I, 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 I figured that Prince is in good hands now. He's got good management. His career is going well. And he was getting to be a star. You know, and I started seeing, you know, just little changes in him and stuff as being a star, as most artists do. They all get into it. And I felt that one day that he's going to say something to me <laughs> that I wasn't going to like. <laughs> you know, I've seen, I, you know, I've seen all of these groups come up since I was 15 all of these bands and everything. And I, even my uncle, you know, from the time he had his million seller and then uh, had a low point and then getting back, having more hits with going out of my head and hurt so bad and outside looking in and all of those songs and stuff. You know, I started seeing little changes in them. And I just said, well, I thought it was a great time for me to go. And I blame myself for that because I feel that if I would have stayed with them and Prince wanted me to stay, you know, um, and his management, he's see what happened was he sent his management team after me to stay. You know, if he would have asked me himself, you know, I probably would have stayed, you know, but these are the little differences that happens with an artist someone that I was with so close, you know, who never questioned anything that I asked of him, you know, and now he's sending these managers to ask me to stay, you know, and I, you know, I didn't appreciate that. And I would have felt that if he would have uh, um, asked me himself that I, I would have probably stayed, you know, but, you know, I still supported him, you know, and I was still there. I went to all the concerts and stuff. I can always go backstage and see all the people and everything. And, and, uh, um, and then he, he, did sign, he signed Morris Day, and then Morris came out with his first album. And then uh, I helped Morris out. We, uh, uh, Morris was hanging out at my place in, in Maple Grove at my house. You know, he used to come over like almost like every day. You know, we just hang out and smoke weed and stuff. <laughs> you know, just hang out. One day we ran out of weed, get Morris's Mustang 5 point. Everybody got the same friend. So here we drive to Minneapolis looking for more weed. And who do we see? Prince. <laughs> and we both go, oh, no. <laughs> we didn't want to run into Prince. I mean, we love him, of course. But he didn't smoke, he didn't drink, you know. To us, he was a square, you know, even though he was a genius in music. He runs over to the car and he goes, hey, man, what are you guys doing? And we go, nothing, you know, <laughs> like that. Then he says, hey, listen to this. And he gives Morris a cassette. 
Mars puts a cassette in the uh, system, and it's my song, If You See Me. The, you know, the one that he played guitar on in 1975. You know, here it is in the 80s, man. And now he, I went like, oh, wow, man, because I didn't recognize it at first. Morris said, man, Peppy, that's your song. And I went like, what? And I started listening. And I went like, oh, wow. And I looked at Prince and, and I said, yeah, man, this is really cool. He says, yeah, Peppy, he says, I'm going to put this out on one of my albums. And I said, all right, cool, man. That was cool, you know. So we were tight. Everything was good, and, you know, no problems. We all got the same friends. And we left and stuff and left Prince and stuff, you know. And I go back home and I tell Marcy and Christy, and I go like, yeah, Prince is going to put this out on, on his, uh, one of his albums and stuff. And they were going like, oh, wow, that's cool, man, you know, and everything. But he never did. He never put it out. Mm-hmm. So at this time, in 1984, 85 I want to do my own album so I the songs that Prince and me and Andre did and uh, when I got let go from Polydor and we went back in the studio I started working on that album actually I was going to sell the publishing and then a friend of mine had says no don't sell it man you know and uh, he said you should do your own album so he started his own label called Hot Pink and he says, I'll pay you like 20 grand to produce your album. And I said, all right, cool. You know, so I, even though I, I knew about production and I had produced, I was a little skeptical. So I called a good friend of mine named Tony Sylvester. Tony Sylvester was a producer and member of the main ingredient. You know, everybody plays a fool, you know, sometimes him and Cuban good senior. And I knew all of these guys. So I called Tony. I said, Tony, man, I got to produce my album. I want you to co-produce it with me. He says, okay. I said, I'll give you 10 grand. <laughs> so I gave him half the money and stuff. So I went to New York and we're doing um, uh, my album. And Prince had put out another album and my song wasn't on that album. And then Jesse Johnson called me up. He was a guitar player for the time. And he was doing his solo thing with A&M. And he's putting out his second album, Shockadelica. He calls me up. I'm in New York. And he goes, Peppy, man, I wanted... Prince I, uh, did my song, If You See Me. But he titled it, Do Yourself a Favor. So it's two titles, If You See Me, and then Slash, Do Yourself a Favor. So Jesse had heard Prince's version. Then he calls me up and says, Peppy, I want to do, I want to put this on my album. I said, go ahead, man, do it, you know. know? And uh, so he says, okay, thanks a lot. And I said, I'll split the publishing with you, you know. He says, okay, cool. And so Jesse recorded it. And before he recorded it, we'll put it out. I go back to Minneapolis from New York. I see Prince in First Avenue. And this is our first argument. (laughs) First and only argument. I go up to him. He goes like, he said, yeah, man. He says, "Uh, I heard that you were doing this album, you know. And I said, yeah. I said, you know, didn't your people tell you about it? Because I called Bob Cavallo. And I said, Bob, you know, uh, I didn't talk to Prince, man. Tell him that I'm gonna I'm doing an album called Minneapolis Genius with me, him, and Andre. And then 
Bob says to me, he says, I don't think Prince want to hear about that right now. And I'm going like, what? What are you, what are you talking about? You know, <laughs> you know, he says, no, I don't think he's going to want to hear about this. And I went like, wow. I said, all right, you know, hung up the phone. So now I'm at First Avenue and Prince says, yeah, I hear, heard you doing the album. I said, yeah. I said, I told Bob, he didn't tell you. He goes like, no. I said, well, then it's not my fault. I said, it's your people, you know, because I called Bob up and told tell you that I was doing this album. And he says, oh, okay, okay. He said, what about do yourself a favor? And I says, yeah, what about it? He says, I was going to put this on one of my albums. And I, he said, now you got Jesse doing it. I said, Prince, man, you told me you was going to put this out on one of your albums. I think you put out an album, two albums. You didn't put it on there. You know, I said, I said, listen, I said, you know, I have to eat too, <laughs> you know, and uh, um, so that was that was the, the gist of the whole argument and stuff like that. So I said, yeah, and I had Jesse do it, you know, so it was kind of like a heated discussion. So the next day, <laughs> my lawyer calls me up from New York going like, hey, I heard that you and Prince had this big argument at some nightclub. I'm going like. Excuse me? I said, what? I said, what do you mean? I said, well, how did you hear about this? It was just like overnight, you know? And I said, no, we just had a little disagreement, man. I said, come on, you know? And he said, all right, all right, right. So uh, a few weeks later, something, Bobby Z had given a party at his house. And of course, I was invited and stuff. So I go there and stuff. And then Prince comes in and stuff. And I see him. He sees me. We hug and stuff like that. And so we made up. It was no, it was no big deal. You know, it was no big deal. And that was the first and only argument, you know, or disagreement that I had with Prince. And then it, it was done. It was done. You know, I still supported him and everything like that. You know, so we were cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I always thought it was uh, curious that that Jesse album was called Chocodelica, but yeah. Prince, Prince put it out as a B-side and there was no track on his album called Chocodelica. I know. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> you know, it's crazy. And then like uh, on, uh, we did Purple Rain and uh, my part was cut out, of course. I, had to, I did a scene with Morris Day and we were at the club and um, because they figured Morris laughs, and then my laugh, you know, that would be funny. And this guy was on stage, and he was juggling these hatchets and knives and stuff, and he kept dropping them, you know, going like, oh, shoot, you know. So Morris would laugh, I would laugh, blah, blah, blah. And I thought this was going to be in a movie, but it was cut out, you know. But uh, Prince does Purple Rain, and after he sings purple rain he walks back to the dressing room and i'm one of the people standing in the hallway as he walks by and stuff so i still got my face in there whatever and stuff so at the wrap of purple rain i'm sitting down and morris and prince are going at it blah 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 yeah with you this and blah, 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 blah. I have to look around i'm going like dang what's going on here and then prince tells morris you owe me, man. You owe me, you know. And Morris, the prince, and goes like, I owe you. 
He said, if anybody owns, owes anybody anything, you owe Pepe. And I was going like, what the fuck? What do you put my name in the thing for? You know what I mean? And Morris Jets, he left. He leaves, man. And he goes to uh, Cali. Goes to California, Santa Monica. About a week later, he calls me up. And he says, Pepe, man, he says, uh, you got to help me, man. And I was going like, what? What are you talking about? He said, Prince is trying to destroy me, man. Because they had the same accountant, you know, the same, you know, they was in the same camp. And I says, oh, man. I said, you know, I couldn't see that, you know, because, you know, I started with these guys, you know. And, and now they fighting each other. And I'm going like, oh, man. So I tell Morris on the phone. I said, okay, look. I said, don't do anything. Don't sign nothing with nobody. Don't shake hands with nobody. Don't even look at anybody <laughs> making any kind of deals, and I'll be there. He says, okay. I flew to uh, uh, L.A., and uh, he picks me up, and we go to his house in Santa Monica. And I hear all the stories and stuff, and, you know, and Prince was calling Morris up at three, four o'clock in the morning. Side, side, side note, I was living in Santa Monica in 85. Yeah, you know. Yeah, that was my town. And 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 uh, I'm going like, what? you know, and I'm, I'm yelling, man. I'm going like, man, give me the phone. Let me talk to Prince, man. Give me the phone. Mars was going like, no, 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 man. No, no. I'll talk to him and stuff, you know. And I was going like, oh, man. So I don't know what the world he was talking about, man, you know, but you know, Prince wasn't very nice, you know, you know, to Morris at all. So I had to start building Morris's team. He needed a manager. He needed an accountant. And he needed a, 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 a lawyer, you know. So I start on the phone. I start looking for people and everything. I find David Braun uh, as an attorney. I find Rennet Accountant Services. I think it was Rennet Feldman or Feldman and Rennet or whatever. And I found this other guy from Tri-State um, Agency, Tri-State Agency. And uh, uh, I had to go to Warner Brothers and talk on Morris's behalf. Because here's the movie getting ready to come out. Everybody's talking about the movie. Morris don't have no money. Morris ain't got uh, 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 no tickets to go to the movie. Here he is, the star of the movie, you know, or one of the stars of the movie, and everybody's trying to get a hold of Morris. All media, everybody's trying to get him. And Prince's people would say, Morris is not available. You know, he's not available. Whoever called, I don't care who it was. Oh, sorry, Morris is not available. You know, so we found out that uh, Prince was in Europe uh, with his accountant, and uh, um, Mars had a federal and state income tax return that went to the accountant's office. So Mars' mother had called up the accountant and said, um, his office, accountant's office, and said, you have to get you know, Morris's federal income tax and state income tax over to him 
Because if you don't, it's a federal offense and you're going to go to jail, you better, you know, scare them. And so they quarried over his check, which was, I think it was like $17,000. And so we, we up paid his rent because he was behind on his rent, got his Porsche out of the shop. And then we drove to Warner Brothers and stuff. And I sat down with Mo Austin, the president of Warner Brothers, and spoke to him. You know, and um, about the contract that him and Prince had, and Morris had a seven percent royalty rate that was moved up to eighteen percent, and 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 uh, Mo Austin said, "Don't tell Prince." I don't know why everybody was afraid of him. I don't know, <laughs> but Mo had said, "Don't tell Prince that I upped your royalty rate." And he says, "Oh, okay, okay, okay." So now we had to find management. We got the lawyer. And I had to make sure that everybody knew each other, that everybody got along, you know, that the lawyer got along with the accountant and the accountant got along with the agency. Now we had to find a manager that got along with everybody, you know, because we had to build his team. And I knew that much about the business. So we went to Sandy Gallon. Sandy Gallon, without Morris even signing anything, you know, sent us on, I can't tell you how many interviews. We did like 80, 80 interviews. And before that, we was at Warner Brothers and I had called my friend, Dixie Watley, who was host of uh, Entertainment Tonight. She was the first host before Mary Hart came on. And I called uh, um, um, Dixie up and I says, how would you like to have Morris Day on your show? And she goes, Morris, everybody's trying to get him. We can't get him. I says, well, he's here. We, we got him right here. And she says, well, where do you want to do it at? And uh, we said, hey, we can do it right here at Warner Brothers. You know, so Entertainment Tonight came to Warner Brothers and stuff. And Morris did his interview there. And then we got Sandy Gallen. And then Sandy sent us to, we did Merge Griffin. We did David Letterman. We had People Magazine follow us around. You know, for the whole day doing the shoot, we did uh, uh, um, um, Rolling Stone. We did uh, CBS News or whatever. I mean, we've de we did it all, you know, and uh, we was only late one time. And uh, uh, when I went and I spoke with uh, Mo Austin, he was saying that, yeah, well, you know, what's going on? I heard that you guys was, was late to an interview. I'm saying like, I said, Mo, I said, we did over 80 interviews, 80. And I said, we was late one time because Morris had to iron his shirt, you know, just got a brand new shirt. And he wanted to iron all the wrinkles, folds out of, you know, out of his shirt and stuff. And we was only like five minutes late. No big deal, you know. And uh, he says, OK, so, you know, everything was cool. But he hooked it up for us to have tickets to the premiere. He gave us money and uh, hooked us up with limos and bodyguards and things that all the things that we needed. Cause he said, you know, you, you should be at the premiere of that movie, you know, you should be there. And so we went, we got our clothes made and stuff and we got our limos and stuff. We had the Excalibur limo then we had the other white limo um, uh, behind us. And then we had uh, uh, two bodyguards, you know, one with his mom and then uh, one with us in the car and stuff. And then 
when we rolled up on the premiere, it was off because the lines were around the corner. Scott, it was just like the time when uh, at the Brooklyn Fox Theater, you know, where the kids had the lines all the way around the corner. They was out there since four in the morning or whatever. This is how the lines were. And I hadn't seen lines like that since, you know, we go to the premiere and the lines were around the corner. We were like, oh, man, Morris gets up, sticks his head out of the sunroof. And he goes like, and everybody, the place went crazy. People were screaming, ah, you know, just going nuts and stuff. And uh, we go inside, you know, we see Prince and, you know, he looks at us and stuff. And, you know, I don't know what their beef was and stuff or whatever. And uh, so we go inside, we get our seats after Morris gets interviewed by MTV and we sit down. And every time Prince Pitcher came up on the screen, there was a section of women <laughs> and they would scream. Ah, we looked at each other, go like, he paid them, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it was so funny, man. So we see the movie, everything was great. We go to the after party and stuff. And then after the after party, we go to Carlos and Charlie's. And Prince is there and he's sitting down and he's by himself. And I go over to him and I sit down next to him. And I said, Prince, man, I says, uh, what's the deal with you and Morris, man? You know, why are you guys, you know, even fighting, man? I said, Morris loves you like a brother, man. What, what you, you know? And he says, well, man, you know, he says, his mother says I'm a devil and blah, 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 this and blah, 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 that. And I go, are you are you a devil, man? He goes like, no. I said, then what are you worried about, man? What are you what are you even thinking about, man? You know, I said, Mars loves you like a brother. You know that we all came up together, man. What you know? And he he didn't you know he didn't say nothing. So I got up, I went to Mars. He says, well, how did it go? And I said, man, let's just go. Let's just get out of here, you know. So and we left, you know. And uh, you know that was it. You know, that was it. You know. There's much more to this great Truth and Rhythm interview. Just continue on to the next part of the episode. Also, be sure to subscribe to this channel. If you've already done so, please share it with friends. And become a member by joining Truth and Rhythm on Patreon or consider donating at funkinstuff.net. Thank you very much.